Mark 1. Conversations at the speed of sound. So to get the engine cover off, you've got to unscrew, what, 15 screws? Oh, yeah, but Seven just, on each side and one on top. And they're just a, a quarter turn. Just a quarter turn, yeah. As mine aircraft doesn't have a, a door in the cowl to lift up so I can get to the oil tank, the only way I can check the oil is by lifting the top cover. And, and you turn the engine over to just circulate the oil because it's well, been sitting for a while? It tends to, because of the position of the oil tank is high, it tends to gravitate down into the sump. So turning it over without starting it's just pumping it back up to the tank. While the cover's off, it allows me to look at other parts of the engine as well and just check things are all okay. Hello and welcome to this home-built episode of Mac One, the podcast of the Queensland Air Museum Caloundra. I'm Gary Hills, a QAM volunteer and your host for this episode with Don McLeod, also a QAM volunteer and guide as he introduces me to his aeroplane, a RANS S7 Sport, which he built himself and flies regularly these days, although not as often as he would like. Don has a lifetime of flying experience, at the time of recording, in fact, 67 years of flying experience, most of that as an airline pilot. Now, I travelled to Gympie Airport, just north of the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, to meet with Don and his wife Sue and to get the grand tour of the Rands, a beautiful little aeroplane. Don did offer to take me up for a few circuits. He's very generous that way. But I regretfully declined, and here is where I have a slightly embarrassing confession to make to all of you aviation enthusiasts out there. I too am an aviation enthusiast, but in light aircraft, and sometimes in the past in heavy aircraft as well, I am prone to air sickness. It's a wretched malady that I've lived with ever since my very first flight in a TAA Boeing 727 in 1972. I was 13 years old at the time, and not long after takeoff on that particular flight, a lunch that I had eaten two years earlier came up. Can I say that? Oh man. Anyway, I didn't want to inflict that upon Don and his lovely aircraft cabin, so I reluctantly declined a flight. But he gave me the tour and taxied the rands for me so I could get some video and then he and Sue took off for a leisurely Sunday afternoon flight over the gorgeous Mary River Valley and I went home to edit this episode. So this is me talking with Don and Sue McLeod. So I'm here at Gympie Airport with uh, Don McLeod. Thank you very much, Don, for your generosity and letting me uh, interrupt you here on a flying day. We're standing near your RANS S7, which you built, I believe. Yes. Could could just describe the aircraft for our listeners, first of all? Well, it's, it's a high-wing aircraft, um, quite light. Its uh, total weight all up is 550 kilograms. And um, 
empty weight 309. The, uh, it has an 80 horsepower engine, a, a fixed pitch propeller, uh, carries two people, it's tandem seating, uh, and it's quite a lively little aeroplane. It, um, it performs very, very well. It's a, a tube and fabric construction, and when I bought the kit for the aircraft, the actual fuselage was already welded because unless you have a, an aircraft welder's license, you can't do it yourself. Um, apart from that, everything was just a heap of tubes and every, you name it, and you had to cut everything out yourself and, and put it together from the plans. The, uh, the plans were very, very uh, well uh, produced and uh, very easy to follow. So anyone can actually build one of these things if they've got any sort of technical knowledge at all. Probably the hardest part for some of the people would be the fabricing, but uh, I'd had experience with that when I first started to fly working in a, an aircraft workshop, and so I found it fairly easy. And So uh, what's, the, what's the process then of fabricing? How, how do you actually do that? Well, in the past, you used to, used to do it with a sort of a linen cloth, and stretch it, pull it tight and sew it, and then coat it with red dope which shrunk it and tight, and then you coat it with silver dope and to protect it from ultraviolet, and then you paint it whatever you want. But the modern method is it's all um, synthetic fibres, and you glue it on. Everything is glued on. Then you just run over it with your normal household iron, and that shrinks it as tight as a drum and then you go through the painting process then again and, uh, and it comes up with a very very good finish and particularly um, when I didn't want to handle the painting on this aircraft because uh, it called for a two-pack finish and I didn't want to handle two-pack so I had it professionally done and I was lucky enough to get it done by an ex-RAAF painter wow. who did it just for he charged me $20 an hour to, to do it, and so I got out of it rather cheaply compared <laughs> to <laughs> take it to a shop. Um, oh, he's done a fantastic job. I mean, it looks really schmick. It's, uh, it's lasted. Well, the, the aeroplane now is you know, over 20 years old, and uh, it still looks virtually like, like it did when it was new. So you built this over 20 years ago? Yes. And how many flying hours do you have in it since then? <laughs> Not as many as I would like. It's only just short of 300 hours. So it's, it really is a thing for me just to keep my hand in every now and then, go for a flight. It's, you know, it's, a, it's like having my aviation fix. <laughs> and I can imagine around southeast Queensland here, there's some glorious areas to fly oh, yes, over. Yes, yes, it's very good scenery here. And uh, it's all, for this aeroplane, it's all visual flying anyway. And... Um, uh, not very high. It doesn't go all that fast. It cruises at 85 knots. Um, plenty of time to look at the scenery. <laughs> and great visibility with the wings above the, the above you there. And uh, so, what's the actual process then of becoming certified for as airworthy? Is is that a, a, an onerous well, process? Um, I did it uh, through the uh, Sport Aircraft Association of Australia. Uh, actually, only once did anyone come out and look at it, and that was just before I put the covering on the wings, because they insist that you know they check that the wing structure is okay before you cover it, and uh, and then at the final thing, their their examiner came up and, and checked it out, 
and told me I'd done a very good job and then certified it. Now that was over 20 years ago, is it the same process today? It's possibly a little bit more involved now, or since that time. Well, because I built it, I'm allowed to service it myself. And uh, although I don't do major work on the engine, I hasn't needed that anyway, but uh, most things that uh, any pilot can do, I'm able to do, but also I can do any work on the airframe because I put it together. Since that time, the, the CASA has insisted that I, I had to do, and all the people who do have built these sort of these sort of aeroplanes had to go to an engineering uh, class, virtually over two days down at the Gold Coast, where they covered all the engineering aspects and the bookwork involved and all that sort of thing, to say, sort of get everyone on the same page, you might say. And uh, but that's the only only time anyone's ever had anything to do with it, me since I built it. <laughs> so I mean, it's a lovely looking, and as you say, a sprightly little aircraft. Why did you choose this one in particular? This is the Rans S7, the sport model, isn't it? Well, I was initially interested in the Rans S6, which is a side-by-side seating. And, uh, but I was building it in a workshop underneath my house at Budrum. And at, just at the back stairs, there was a palm tree. And uh, Sue didn't want me to cut it out. And I realised that if I got the the wider fuselage, I couldn't get it out of the workshop. So, so yes, I'm blaming you. <laughs> anyway, it, uh, so I, I decided to go for the nar- narrower ones with tandem seating. And I'm glad I did because it's a better performer. And actually, you have more room in that for each yep. passenger than what you would if you're shoulder to shoulder. So. And the palm tree is still there? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're glad about that too. Um, I see the word experimental on the fuselage there. Why is that there? Well, initially, when I was building it, it would have been registered fully uh, VH registration. You'll notice it has that anyway. Um, And it would have been just like a certified aircraft by CASA. While I was building it, they brought in the experimental experimental rules and that allowed a lot of people to build aeroplanes that, that wouldn't normally be allowed to be built and CASA sort of washes their hands with it they say we have nothing to do with it and you have to have labels on, on in the aeroplane saying this is not built to the specifications of CASA and all that sort of stuff uh, not that it, most of them are built better than I reckon at least as good or better than the commercial aeroplanes you can buy Interesting. They're, 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 because people take extreme detail with their work. You know. Yes. Yeah, after all, it's their lives that are at stake, isn't yes. it? Yes. It's just my plaything, put it that way. And uh, I I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. Uh, I should fly it more than I do, but... Uh, yeah. Could we just come in yes. out of the rain here? It's yeah. just starting to rain. And so um, the you say you do your own maintenance, but yes. not so much engine work. Mm. So what maintenance has it required over the years? Virtually none. It's, it's every year you have to do an airworthy on the thing and you check everything according to a schedule and uh, so everything is on a running maintenance schedule. Um, okay. uh, I don't, it's either every 100 hours or every 12 months, whichever comes first. Well, in my case, it's definitely the 12 months. <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it won't be due for another one until uh, around about December this year. Okay, and uh, you're planning to take it up today? Yes, if it doesn't uh, 
end up raining too much. Yes, the weather's very dicey here today. We're in the middle of La Nina, aren't we? Um, even if you aren't able to take it up today, perhaps for our listeners, we could perhaps go through a start-up and we could, we could hear the engine and so yeah, on. Sure, yes. So whenever you're ready to do that, we'll do that. But um, it, thanks for, for sharing this with us. I mean, there are... So somebody who's listening to this thinks, I could do that and I would really like to do that. Where should they start when they're sort of doing their research and, well, and looking into it? The first thing, if you, if you wanted to build an aeroplane, is to think very deeply about what you're going to use it for. Um, what do you want, a single-seat aircraft, two-seat... Uh, um, whether you want a fast one or, or a basic one, you, know, you have to think because once you're committed to it, there's a lot of money involved and uh, you're yeah. stuck with it. Yeah. And I'd say at least half of the aircraft kits that people start aren't ever finished. Right. They, right. they suffer, some people suffer from what they call the um, AIDS, <laughs> which is uh, aircraft. Uh, I'm sorry? Aircraft induced divorce syndrome. Divorce syndrome. Divorce syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Sue would know that. <laughs> That's your wife uh, assisting Sue was very, very uh, helpful right through and, and really wanted me to, to go ahead with this. She felt I needed a project and, uh, and she backed me all the way. It doesn't always happen, yeah. unfortunately. Sure. Now, at this point, I asked Sue, who had been sitting back somewhat while we were talking, if she was comfortable having a chat for the recording. I don't like to assume that everyone is comfortable having a microphone stuck in front of them, but fortunately, she came over and joined us because her contribution was excellent. Got a tandem aeroplane because there is more um, room in a tandem aircraft. So as the passenger, you have a lot of fun? Yes, um, we try to fly on days that are really nice for flying. We pick and choose our days and we have that ability to do that, which is nice. Um, for many years, Don didn't have the choice with the weather he flew in. He just had to go to work and fly in that weather. But now he can pick and choose the days. And um, the weather is not so nice today, but uh, the countryside around Gympie mm. at the moment is looking magnificent yeah. with all the green. It's beautifully green. It's a delight to see. Yeah. And so all of your partnership together has been, to, you know, there's been a connection with flying, hasn't there? Because Don's been flying for so many years. Mm. Uh, you're not a pilot yourself? I was a flight attendant with ANSET for 17 years. And that's where we met in the cockpit of a DC-9. So that's where our relationship started. Uh, I have done a little bit of flying I have a like a student license because okay. I wanted to experience some of what he was um, experiencing but uh, I kind of got bogged down with the exam part of it life was busy and um, I didn't study hard enough you do have to have a good technical uh, brain I think for flying it's pretty essential but it, it was enough for me to understand the basics and the terms and I can hold my own usually with pilots when they're talking about things. I know what they're talking about and what they're feeling and experiencing as well. Which is part of the enjoyment of the, the relationship, isn't it? You're both uh, experiencing and enjoying the same things. So how many years were you with ANSET? Um, just over 17 years. Uh, we finished up when uh, Don left 
well, he'd left the airline 18 months before, um, after the airline dispute. I continued flying, but we went to Singapore for three years. Don took a job over there, flying for a Japanese company. So I got to be a lady of leisure for three years in Singapore, which was very pleasant. Well, we met in the cockpit of a DC-9 because Don was just happened to be the captain that day on the flight I was crewing as a flight attendant. Um, 767 I finished up on and so did Don because that was ANSET's largest aircraft at that time. But uh, when I started, it was 1974, uh, the Electra had just finished service. It, uh, they'd become more of freight aircraft. Uh, I flew friendships in, in friendships, DC-9s, 727 100s and 200s and the 76. And the 7.3, yes. And the 7-3. Many, many flights on the 7.3, yes. Okay. A wonderful workhorse for the airline. Sue, I'm so glad to have your voice in this. I wasn't expecting that, but I'm, I'm pleased you've, you've been willing to contribute. And, you, you know, you have a story of your own about uh, aviation to tell, and maybe one day we could just sit down and talk about that in more detail. Uh, I would like to put a couple of episodes together with cabin crew or ex-cabin crew mm -hmm. and talk about their experiences and so on because I'm sure there are some you know, amazing stories that you would have to tell. So would you be open to that? Yes, Gary, I'll give it a go. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Um, so what, what do you think we should do next, Don? Do you want to uh, okay. start her up or okay. do you want to... I'll, I'll... So I'll just follow you here and you tell me what you're doing. Well, first of all, I've got to shoehorn myself in. <laughs> I've always thought pilots and jockeys, uh, you know, had the advantage when they were smaller. <laughs> no, it's just the, the position of the seats here. <laughs> Sorry, just the sound recorder's just banged his head on the on the wing. Let me come around here so I can okay get in a better position. Okay, well. It's a very simple panel uh, on it. Um, the engine actually has uh, its air-cooled cylinders, but they're water-cooled heads, so it has uh, a radiator, just like a car has. And, that, um, and you have the gauges here for the pressure and, and that in there. Here you have um, oil pressure and temperature, and then revs and cylinder head temperature in that one. And you've got the standard minimum flight instruments there. So, you know, starting it up, first of all, I'd put the, the beacon on to advise everyone around that we're going to do something. All the power's all set up, fuel on, put on the re-ignition switches, brakes parked. It's all ready to go. All I have to do now is turn the key. Now it only occurred to me just as Don was about to turn the ignition key that I was holding a microphone no more than about a metre behind the prop. So I was thinking the problem would be too much volume. But in fact I was suddenly engulfed in very fast moving air, obviously. So all my recorder picked up was wind across the mic. Oh well.
So that was it. A start up. An easy start, yes. Yes. And uh, when shut down, you just go reverse turning your fuel off and you know, if you're putting it away, uh, turn everything off and, uh, and check that it's. So that was Don and Sue McLeod and the RANS S7. Just a short episode this week, and I hope you found it interesting. I'd never spoken with someone who built their own plane, and I thoroughly enjoyed the experience, and I hope you did too. If you'd like to hear some of Don's flying stories, from when he began in agricultural aviation and then on into DC-3s and Vickers Viscounts, including recounting the scariest moment he ever had as a pilot, it had to do with thunderstorms, hail and sustaining significant damage in flight, just go back to the pilot episode of this podcast, episode 00, and you can hear Don's dulcet tones as he narrates some of that for you. Thanks for putting us in your ears. This is episode 6, plus the pilot, of the Mac One podcast, and at the Queensland Air Museum, we hope you're enjoying these little forays into all things aviation with an emphasis on Australian aviation history. Give us a rating, as many stars as you can, five would be good, on your podcast platform, write a review, pass the word around, because we would love to think that as many people as possible will be getting into the habit of looking forward to Saturdays when they can listen to a new episode and hear some unique stories and perspectives in aviation, as well as a little bit about what's going on at the QAM. Join us in the Mac One Hangar on Facebook for photos, videos and comments about each episode, and come down and visit us sometime soon, or come back and visit us again on our six acres of displays and exhibits at the Queensland Air Museum Caloundra. Bye for now.